welcome to yet another episode of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. This is a show where I, Ellie, MD of Transition Partners and the CEO, Sandra, talk to some of the world's highest achieving business and tech leaders. In each episode, we will be sharing tales, tips, techniques and war stories in the hope that you will learn from some of these amazing leaders to help you develop and progress your career. Hello everyone and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. So today we have the fabulous Itai Aronson on the show. Itai is a leader who is passionate about building teams of driven professionals. In the last 14 years of his career, he's been involved in a range of organisations in the internet and mobile industry and helped building startups and products from day one. He has lived and worked in three countries, moving from Israel to Switzerland and now Germany. He has recently started a new role at Acclamio as a VP of product management and is a family man and enthusiastic endurance athlete. So we're looking forward to hearing your story today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hi, very good. So happy to have you on the show. Sarah said some wonderful things. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to, you know, try to share whatever I can. Fantastic, brilliant. <laughs> what an interesting background from um, the cooking trail that we've just had from Ellie. Um, so I'm really interested and I'm sure our listeners are really interested in finding out a little bit more detail. Um, obviously, you've moved around from country to country. You've had, um, had a look at your LinkedIn profile early and you've had um, obviously a number of varied positions and you've progressed um, very quickly by the looks of things. So um, it'd be great to share some of your leadership um, experiences, challenges, etc. But before we go into that, um, I always like to start with asking you, um, asking about the journey that you've taken to get to where you are. So how, if you can tell us all, how how did it start for you? How did you get into kind of the tech world? Um, and then just tell us a quick tour of um, how you got to where you are today. Uh, yeah, sure. I actually, I think, Every story is quite unusual, uh, and and mm-hmm. I mean mine is I guess not no different to that. Um, I actually that's started... why we made the podcast. That's what we like to hear. The more unusual, the better. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess uh, I'm. Uh, I studied law and management, and uh, after I graduated, I did my internship and became a lawyer. Um, and yeah, so I'm actually a certified lawyer in the state of Israel. But um, uh, I've once I finished my internship, I got. Uh, permanent position offer the, the, for the firm where I did my internship. And then uh, I had to, you know, I, I started thinking and I realized I'm not sure I want to do this. Actually, I'm quite sure I don't want to do this. So I took off. Uh, I flew to uh, Sri Lanka and India for six months uh, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, where I just traveled and uh, took the time mm-hmm. to think. Um, and then I realized with this type of, you know, general education, I could go either into, back then I identified either real estate or what was back then known as the internet. <laughs> so I, I chose the latter. And when I came back, uh, I started working really without any training or any idea about anything. Uh, as like a part-time project manager for a company, like a really entry-level position. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then from there, things took up quite quickly. And uh I came more from, you know, the business side of things. So I, I started uh, moving more and more towards business development mm-hmm. and then uh, into general management. So I managed a daughter company within a bigger company and I, I was completely responsible for the business side and, and of course, for everything else, for the performance of, of the unit. 
And that got me interested into, you know, what are we actually doing? Um, and then I started realizing that that's what I really care about. I mean, that's the interesting part. So having done like three to four years of business development and general management, I decided to really focus only on the product side. Mm-hmm. And uh, having left that company after almost five years being started as a part-time project manager, finishing as a GM of one of the units and the senior vice president for business development. Uh, and it was not a small company. We're roughly 500 people. I just moved to a startup as one of the first employees and uh, as head of product marketing, um, which was wow. head of nothing because it was just me and one designer. <laughs> um, but that's the way startups, early stage startups go. Um, and I spent a couple of years there and then I started my own company with a partner and in the end I sold my share. Um, and in the middle, yeah, probably did another one or two companies. Each company was very different in terms of, of you know, the, the vertical and the type of, of, of product it was, uh, mostly B2C, but I also had touches to B2B and some of them were very technical. Some of them were very, I think, technically simple, but were more about, you know, the experience and, 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 and about the customer journey. And these are things that back then were not so clear and developed as they are today. So I think we, we were yeah. exploring a lot and then experimenting a lot and doing a lot of, you know, it was mostly about you, you read whatever you could find. And uh, there was not too many people, at least that I found that I could talk to. So it was mostly about trial and error. Mm. Um, and yeah, after I sold my share of my, of the company I, found, I co-founded, um, I took some time off. Um, I did my first Ironman. Um, which is I'd work, but you said an introduction. So I, and you said uh, like endurance athlete. So that was part part of what I dedicated some of the time off I took to. And then uh, I came the offer from Switzerland and uh, having uh, had two young kids and like a young family, Mm -hmm. my daughter was three, my son was one. My wife and I were like, "Hmm, we're not sure. And we said, okay, let's jump on the adventure. You know, worst case, come back in a year. Um, how did that come about? Well, uh, the offer from Switzerland, how did that come about, just out of interest? Well, funnily enough, I saw a Facebook post by an ex-colleague of mine who was actually mm-hmm. advising this company and he was looking for someone to head their product, uh, the technical right. product area. And I just, out of curiosity, got in touch with him. Um, and yeah, and things progressed super quickly. I never expected that. I mean, again, from a like my perception was that I would never have anything to offer outside of Israel. You know, I've always, I, mm. I worked a lot internationally, but I never thought I could actually move abroad and have something to offer in other markets. And for me, that was kind of a, you know, I was just testing the water and, but it, it took like two weeks and they made me an offer, uh, including relocation, including everything. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit shocked. And then we had to make a decision um, and we decided to go for it. So it it all happened very quickly. We kind of moved out in with the entire family in about a month. So wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was, I went to Zurich like uh, after a week and, and did my Waste any time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were really keen on, on getting started. And I'm, I'm the kind of guy, you know, the, the moment I make a decision, now everything yeah. becomes an obstacle, <laughs> so I, I need to get going. So, uh, yeah, and so we ended up being in Zurich for two years, and uh, things did not work out so well there at the end. So the company uh, failed to raise more money uh, for different reasons. Um, 
And then we had to make a quick decision again, really quick. Uh, what do we do next? Or do we go back to Israel? Do we mm-hmm. try, you know, somewhere in an English speaking country or do we stick to the fact that uh, my kids spoke somewhat uh, Swiss German and by then and uh, yeah, we identified Berlin as the, the best tech hub for us, at least for me. I mean, um, and a city we really liked and we, yeah. we've been here before and we really liked it. And it seemed like there was a lot of, of, of the many things were happening here mm-hmm. in terms of the tech scene startups. And um, yeah, I started very quickly, like really cold calling, sending emails out and the, the response was very strong from the market. So there was a mm-hmm. lot of interest mm-hmm. and it was and that's how I landed Lamudi, which was a rocket internet company, uh, as as a chief product officer. Spent roughly two years there, and then I moved to Koya, which is a full stack digital insurance backed by Valar, where I spent almost two and a half years till a few months ago. And now I joined Aclamio. Um, and yeah, we can dive into all of this, but that's briefly yeah. the introduction. Like, sorry, it took too much time. No, 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 not at all. You? No, it's interesting. Um, right, fantastic. What a journey then. So, um, so you're all settled in Berlin now by the sounds of it. And I, I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't blame you. I absolutely love the city. Um, it's absolutely booming from um, a tech point of view um, as well. Um, we've been we've been operating in um, Berlin for about two and a half years, I think now, mm. haven't we? And it's, it's, there's so much going on, um, which is fantastic. So, um, I think my first initial question on on that note, with regards to your background, is um, what um, obviously you've worked for um, various companies, different industries at different stages, startups. Um, like you said, you you know, one of the businesses you were the first employee. Um, what um, I think because obviously this is a leadership podcast, it'd be really interesting to understand what size along the journey, what size teams you've been responsible for like what you've inherited and managed, but then also teams that you've grown from scratch. Um, and then we can probably delve into your leadership experience a little bit more. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I, I, I can say that very early on, I mean, like in, in the first company I worked for, when I became a GM of a unit, it, it was very small. I mean, I would say probably between 12 to 18 people, including okay. like a small development team, one product manager, one designer. It was like a typical uh, early stage startup, um, mm-hmm. despite the fact we had quite a big business running underneath that, but it was, it was very lean. Uh, although back then we didn't use the word lean. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, and then, like I said, I moved to as, as a first employee in a startup. I was like, it was, I was the only product person. We had like a quite a robust development team, but one designer who reported to me and that was it. I mean, literally there was no, there was no actual management done there. It was mostly about decision-making about the product. Uh, but the moment I got back into, you know, uh, moved to Switzerland and then I, I basically had to start thinking about teams. And I have to say, I, I always think broader than my own team because normally when you join a company that is a startup still, but still not fully established, um, normally I, I, I spread my wings around the entire organization in terms of, of processes and structures. In many cases, I find that this is the thing that holds back uh, companies that, uh, that I'm talking to, working with, and, and so on. And uh, it's first about, you know, establishing, you know, who's responsible for what, how do we interact, what are the, 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 the intersections, where do we meet, how do we make decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, in many cases, it's lack of strategy that holds businesses back. So these are all the areas I look at. And I think that's part of leadership, although it's not directly managerial responsibility. um, But it's definitely, I'm not only looking at my own small team, Mm -hmm. but from a team perspective, I think like uh, Joy's, I joined, they had uh, two product managers and maybe one designer. And I had to grow the team. I had to hire more product managers. I had to start looking into BI. I had to grow the design team and so on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, again, Lamudi, when I joined, again, I think two product managers in the beginning and a very strange organization. I had to basically shuffle the entire structure of the company um, mm-hmm. to be more business driven and therefore more product driven um and hire more people of course so it's, it's always about i think first you have to define the areas of ownership and responsibility for people for teams mm-hmm. so they know what they need to be doing they know what they need to be focusing about and that also also helps you identify where the gaps in your team or in the entire organizations are uh, in many cases i saw you know i don't need more product managers because if i only have uh two scrum teams uh it doesn't make sense to add more product managers for example uh, yeah. Because there's not enough firepower, I cannot I cannot deliver fast enough to to justify hiring more product managers. But in that case, I may need to hire more developers, or actually, the bottleneck could be QA, it could be you know uh, SRE. That there could be made, it could come from the business that the requirements are not coming in mm-hmm. uh, structured enough. So you have to improve the interface there. Uh, but I think generally, the past few years, I've had like between ten and <coughs> twenty direct reports. <coughs> Bless you. In, in uh, both product design, UX research, um, copywriting. So sometimes some of these areas are either in product or in in, in marketing. And uh, yeah, in the past couple of years, they all fell in my lap, kind of <laughs> in my team. So right now, I think my team is twelve or thirteen people. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much the ballpark within an organization of roughly a hundred people. Yeah, so it would be fantastic um, to explore that. I'd love to find out a little bit more about your position at the moment and also explore your leadership style and how that's developed along the journey that we've discussed. Cool. Um, Well, my job at Aclamio uh, and also has been for the past few years was basically to lead the product organization. Mm -hmm. And that basically means that... uh, I, I mean, the title doesn't really matter from my perspective. I mean, I was a chief product officer in my previous two positions. Now I'm a VP. Before that, I was a senior VP. Uh, to me, it, it doesn't make any difference. The, what makes a difference is where you positioned in the organization, mm-hmm. not from a hierarchy perspective, uh, but from a structural perspective. Yeah. How are things working around that? Um, and as the leader of the product organization, I, I see my job as always, first of all, setting strategy, mm-hmm. of course, together with the other members of the management team could be C-level could be whatever you call them doesn't matter again but it's it's always about focus of the company because these are startups and if we go too wide we scratch the surface but we never make a dent you know and I always say we have to be laser focused yeah you know in order to make a tiny little hole in in the wall and then you can break the wall but uh, if you just scrape the surface, it doesn't work. And, and we have to be super, everybody needs to be running in the same direction. And that's in most companies I've met and worked with, that yeah. was an initial problem. Yeah. So that's one of the first things you have to align is vision, mission, strategy, the things that sound, things that may sound very basic, 
but mm-hmm. are still missing in many organizations. And even if they exist, they're not practiced. Yeah. So first set them, then live by them, use yeah. them. Yeah. Um, I love so that's, that. That laser was, strategy. <laughs> yeah. So that's one, one layer there. And <clears> then it's to make sure that we are properly set, that we know what we try to achieve and that we have the structure and the organizational processes to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is coordinating between, I always say that again, like product for me, uh, we're like water. Our job is to occupy space between other things and it, to make sure that everything runs smoothly. Um, so it's either, you can call it glue, you can call it water, but mm-hmm. our job is to make sure that interfaces actually work. Yeah. Um, and, and I, uh, that's why I'm a great believer in, you know, communication. Um, and, and, and I really see our us as a product organization, again, standing in the center and trying to bring everybody together, trying to make sure that the business requirements are clear, that the KPIs are clear, that the reporting mm-hmm. is, 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 is there, that we, you know, our job is also to bring back meaning to the entire organization. It's very easy and I've met it many times that uh, tech organizations are expected to deliver, yeah. but then no one circles back to them with the results of what happened post-development you know you deployed mm-hmm. a new feature a new product whatever and then you're done you're on to the next ticket but in the mm-hmm. end um that doesn't work um i mean it works for specific people specific types and like i always differentiate between you know coders or sorry sometimes code monkeys and engineers and i mean uh, and, and it, but that's the difference between having uh, uh you, you know just people doing what you tell them or having people who are engaged and who are actually bringing something out of themselves into what they mm. do. And the only way to get to the latter is by sharing the meaning of the work that you've done back to you and mm. creating a circle there that everybody knows why have we done this? What happened after we did that? Did it work? Yeah. Did it not work? If it didn't work, why? If it worked, how well? Why? And, and, and so you get people engaged and then you actually leverage that um, to you know, use their brains and not just their fingers uh, yeah. <laughs> to deliver value yeah. for the company. I guess that means your whole team's like really accountable, really on board and focused on that vision, like you say. Um, so let's talk about your leadership style then and how that's developed along the years. Oh, wow. Well, I think there's a huge... Well, first of all, I grew. <laughs> I grew up uh, yeah. in terms of you know, experience and, and age. You'll do, and, unfortunately. And, <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult to stop that, as, as my white beard will tell you. Um, but also, I think I've, 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 the culture has really changed. And again, I've moved out of Israel six years, six, six and a half years ago. Yeah. And I've learned so much about how do you lead people, not only mm. in terms of, it's a cultural thing, right? Uh, it's yeah. about communication. It's about sensitivity. It's about different things that happen in certain environments are not so well accepted or not so common in other environments. Mm. And I think I'll always be an Israeli. Um, and that, that has pluses and minuses, like, you know, coming from anywhere around the world. Um, mm. But that does push me to be very direct. Um, and, and to be, I, I always try to be also as precise as I can. So you have to be very direct with people and, and you have to be honest. Like I was, mm-hmm. for me, the first rule is you don't say something when someone's not in the room if you wouldn't say it to their face. And yeah. then actually yeah. better say it to their face and not when they're not in the room. 
Yeah, um, I think it's just but, sometimes how you deliver that, isn't it? Which um, I always find a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I completely agree. And, and I think yeah. that's part of the cultural maybe growth that I've, I, I think I've earned by, by moving yeah. around and, and being exposed to people from different parts of the world is the fact that I've yeah. learned, I hope, again, you probably have to ask my team, but I can tell you that I'm, I, I've certainly improved on, on my ability to deliver these things in a way that doesn't create, you know, it doesn't push people away and it doesn't get them yeah. shut down. And yeah. I think, again, that's a cultural difference because in the beginning of my career, again, I didn't think about, you know, giving a meaning for the developers. No one thought about that. For us, it was like, I, I was a GM, I had investors, I would sit with them, I would present what I want to do. They either said, okay, go as the board, or they would say, um, we're not so happy, come back again. And then I'd go back, tell the product manager, look, this is what we're, we're going to be doing, sit down, come back with mock-ups. And then the developers would get tickets and they would work. And that was basically it. I mean, no one looked at the numbers in the entire organization except for me. And I think the fact that today I... I really get offended if people don't look at the numbers. And again, yeah. some companies don't even have available numbers. And that that's like mm -hmm. the foundation of when I joined. That's one of the first questions that I need to ask. Like, how are we steering this boat? You know, how do we know if we're doing well or not? How do you know if you're doing well? And how does she or she know if they're doing well? Do they have KPIs? Are these KPIs available? Are they accessible? So... These are things that I've learned along the years that, and, and this has been my growth, but I think also the industry has become, you know, has really progressed in that. And, and also the culture has changed. I also see a lot of difference in that. You know, when I started, it was only work. You were measured by the number of hours you spent in the office. And that's also, I think, very Israeli to come in the morning and spend 12 hours in the office and go back home at 9 p.m. and say, oh, I worked so hard. Well, actually, from a productivity perspective, you maybe worked three hours. The rest of the time, you drank coffee. You had a very long lunch. I don't know what you did. <laughs> you chatted to your colleagues. But really, like pure work time was very, very limited. And I think back then, that was quite early on, I tried to push to my team, you know, I don't care how long you spend in the office. Mm -hmm. We set goals. When you meet your goal, you can leave the office at 12 and go to the beach. And our yeah. office was not that far away from the beach. Oh, that lovely. A, wow. But that was a real struggle for people. Really, <clears throat> back then, that was a real struggle because, mm. from a cultural perspective, they were used to being measured based on, you know, am yeah, I here when my boss leaves? When, yeah, when the CEO leaves, does he, am I still there? Will he, when he walks down the hall will he, and he looks into my <laughs> the open space or into my office, am I still there? And, mm. like, this was, I think, like, for me, that was one big light bulb back then. Uh, that, you know, it doesn't matter for this business, like how many hours you spend there. It's about yeah. delivery. And now yeah. it sounds trivial again nowadays, but back then for um, me, that was like a big discovery. It's a whole culture change, isn't it? There's a lot of synergy, yeah. I think, what, what you've mentioned here between what we interviewed um, a guy probably about three months ago, wasn't it? Martin Sabag, and he was a VP oh, yeah. of product yeah. um, in Tel Aviv. And he, it was really similar, like really similar discussion to what you just said. So, yeah, um, yeah really interesting. Um, I think um, what would be really interesting to move on to next is um, obviously you've, um, you know, you've had a very varied background. You've um, worked in um, a number of different businesses, industries, different sizes. Um, I'm sure 
it's not been smooth running the whole time. Unfortunately. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, unfortunately. Um, we wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that would just be the perfect world, wasn't it? I'm sure you've had some um, sleepless nights and um, some very stressful situations. It'd be really interesting to find out maybe about one of your, like, like a big project failure or a business failure and how um what happened what you learned from it the whole kind of experience um around the situation and 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 then what you would have done differently in hindsight um sure well i can give you the biggest one i think i have which is the company i co-founded and despite mm-hmm. the fact i somehow sold my share uh, for me, that's a huge failure. Um, I think I founded this company together with a partner. Uh, he came to me with the idea. What was the uh, industry? The industry was, we actually built, uh, back then it was a, a user-generated uh, content app for uh, step-by-step recipes on tablets. Okay. But the idea was basically to have a cooking companion in the kitchen um, that stands next to you and 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 delivers recipes that are meant to be consumed on, on an iPad or on a tablet. So they're very visual and they're mm-hmm. built step by step. A so really good idea. We I, could I, do still think, <laughs> I still think I it's, quite a good, it's quite a good idea. I'd yeah. use it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think since then there are a couple of, of apps that actually do similar things. But mm-hmm. we started with the idea that you can also create the content on the tablet by your, like yourself, which was highly unusual that, that yeah, you can create yeah, you can take pictures with the iPad. You can do everything there. Yeah. Um, and I think... I'm sure I'd be taking well, pictures of my food. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, that was actually one of the problems, I think, in, in getting this to work was the fact that, right. you know, this is a highly visual thing, right? So from a product perspective, people don't want to look at your scrambled eggs, right? They want to <laughs> see something which is really good looking. It's like that, um, you look- do, you know, do you know Rate My Plate? where people take pictures of their dinner and most of the time people are really proud of this dinner and it looks horrendous and then people yeah. absolutely slate their dinner it's really funny that sounds yeah. like fun actually yeah, yeah, it's good. but uh, but i think in a way we we saw it as something maybe a bit similar to what airbnb had gone through in early stages right so they started with user-generated content like people took pictures of their own apartments but when you looked at the pictures people took said i don't want to stay in this shithole like, sorry yeah. but um, <laughs> but then they realized okay we we should send photographers to these people's apartments if they they agree that they will rent them out i don't know how many days per year so they look nice and i think that that's one of the the big changers uh that they managed to do to become very successful and so i think our problem the the, the reason for the failure was first we were both product people so as two founders with different backgrounds, different ideas, different perspectives, we were both product people and that was not easy. And we were both not fully committed, to be honest. We were kind of cruising through this experience um, and we never really put everything into it. I have to say, we, we, we used our own money to fund this thing and we paid to develop it. Mm-hmm. And we ended up with, I think we had like 12,000 users uh, on iPads uh, without investing in marketing, which was not bad. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah, but at this point, it came to the fact that we just couldn't agree anymore. And we had, yeah. and I just sold my share to the partner and moved on. Uh, but 
again, was very disappointing. Did you do it alongside your full-time permanent job as well? Or, or did you do it as a full project and break away? Because you said you were kind of like not fully engaged in the pro- in the product itself or the business. It, we, was it something you were doing part-time then? Well, I it started part-time, but very quickly I quit my job back then. Um, and I did it in parallel. Actually, on my side, it was parallel to preparing for the Ironman, which I think was not a good idea. I was very yeah. consumed by training. I was yeah, very focused on training. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah, I think th- the point was that none of us was really fully engaged and was driving mm-hmm. this very strongly forward. If one of us would have been fully committed, um, he had his own reason for not being fully in there and we were kind of cruising and I think it it just blew up in our faces in the end. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot, it takes a lot of energy and time and commitment doesn't it to um start business and then and then grow it and um keep it running I guess successfully it's it's um and like you say it's I think you, your mindset and the commitment's got to be there otherwise it's um it's a big common tricky. theme isn't it when we find when we speak about startups is like you might have the best idea in the world yeah. but if it's not the right timing for you personally <clears> or or your business partners and it then the best idea in the world can even even not not take off right yeah 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 so many things have to align to make this magic happen and that's what i've seen even in companies that have been funded quite heavily you know could could have raised 20 40 50 million that doesn't guarantee anything because still so many things have to align uh for this to really become a unicorn or become really hugely successful um it it, it's a very very tricky thing and and that's the, the the kind of the the little you know, balance point that you have to strike there, uh, which is, it's very, very fine. And it's very difficult to find. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, So um, it'd be interesting to hear more about um, what keeps you sane and healthy. Um, And um, obviously, um, obviously we know that you've um, taken part in the Ironman contest. And um, I should imagine that's been a big, big player, um, during the years but um it'd be good to share with everyone any other kind of like insights you you have around gen- just general health and well-being and you know, obviously you've been in some very stressful roles and situations you you know I, I should imagine even moving you know up sticks and moving quickly twice has been difficult and challenging as well um yeah over to you well uh well, first, of course, I, I, I always default back to sports. I mean, I think sports, it's good for your body. It's good for, for your mind. It's good. Endorphins are good for your mood. Uh, it's, it's just good for you. Um, however, I think over the years, I've also learned that I have to find a way to balance between work and family. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I started my career, I had no family. I was single. And then I was really fully devoted to work so it was basically i run to the office in the morning uh, and then just stay there 12 14 hours whatever it took um and then either run back or like catch a ride with someone and and that was basically my life so <laughs> having to <laughs> learning over the years how to you know not only invest the best that i have at work but also have some of it left to spend at home yeah uh, it's been a struggle for me it, it hasn't been very easy and it has taken me some time, but I think now my kids are a bit older, they're nine and seven, but I, I really get a kick out of spending time with them. And that really helps me. I mean, especially now when we are at home, 
um, the fact that I can just now open the door and play Scrabble or, or you know, do something with them, uh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes it so much easier. And I think especially in these crazy times of Corona, everybody's locked at home. I'm, I'm mostly worried about the, my team members who are single, who live alone, who spend their entire day at home mm-hmm. alone in front of the, of the screen. And, and it's our job, I think, as, as leaders and as organizations to take care of them. Um, and to try to do the best that mm-hmm. we can to support them, because I think it's not a full lockdown here again or yet in Berlin, but still the, the days are getting shorter, the weather is getting gloomier, winter is coming, and that definitely has an effect on, on people's moods. And it's our job, yeah. as, as, as you know, <clears throat> to take care of that and, and to try to support people with some, you know, with solutions that help them get through the day and, and stay happy and healthy. And I think it, it's mm-hmm. mostly about try to find areas of interest that are common for people. So I, I always try, whenever I join a company, I try to start like a running group or a cycling group. Normally that doesn't work because then people tell me, no, we are too fast. <laughs> Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, and it doesn't mean that I'm fast, I'm very slow, but it's just the, the image that people get. Um, but, but, I, but I still try. And I and mm. always try, you know, uh, when I was in university, I was a bartender for many years. And I always try to, you know, have a, uh, like a, teach people how to make cocktails night at work <laughs> and this type of stuff. So now we're going to do it remotely, actually, for our Clamio. So I'll do it from home and we will uh, oh, cool. uh, do it over Zoom. But yeah, but, but these types of things. So try to find like uh, people to speak about music, to speak about hiking, to do wh- whatever. Mm. And then just yeah. normally you, you do it by the coffee machine. Now there's no coffee machine. Everybody makes coffee at home. So, mm. you know, next move is to open like an open Slack channel where you say, I'm going on a coffee break and have a permanently open hangout where you would go as yes. if you were next to the coffee machine and, and chat with people then about whatever, like dogs. I'm also big on dogs. I have a dog. We have dogs in the office. The dog goes to the office with me. We miss Aww, our dog friends in the office. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's just about creating another layer on top of work. Like the human, yeah, that, that reminds definitely. us that we're people. Mm. Um, it's so important, and, isn't it? And it's it's been yeah. so tough for everyone the past year. So I think having that opportunity to to get on a on a human level with your team is really really important. So um, I'd love to finish the podcast then with finding out what's on your agenda, what you've got planned over the next sort of twelve months that you're really excited about, um, and that can be personal and professional. Well, I, I wish I could have started personal, but Corona has basically, I, I, I have no plans. <laughs> I, I mean, my first plan when I can is to go back home to Israel to visit my family, which I really dearly miss. We haven't seen them in a year. And this yeah. has been the longest break for me and the kids, not seeing the, my parents. How often do you usually fly back? Well, usually we chose Berlin because it's so close to Israel. So that was mm. part of the reason we decided to stay here and not move to the valley. Like, mm. uh <laughs> and and normally, I mean, we have a guest bedroom, so normally we would have one of the sides of the, the grandparents, or we would fly to Israel every other month, sometimes yeah. even once a month. So we fly mm-hmm. to Israel normally, the kids, three times a year, two to three times, mm-hmm. and my parents come here three times, and my wife's parents come here three times, and yeah. some of our siblings come to visit with their families. So it's kind of, we have at least one week a month normally that uh, the that we have guests here. Yeah, um, yeah, or that we are away and it's been a year that we have had no one and, and mm-hmm. it, it's quite difficult so that would be like the first thing I'd be super excited about and work-wise 
wow, I have so much to do. I mean, I really want to take Aklamio to the next level. And I think we have what it takes. The business is so successful as it is, and mm-hmm. it has so much potential. Um, I think right now we're talking about how to, to become more efficient internally and how to align, again, the entire company. Like, I, I, again, I feel like the shepherd dog running around, making sure the sheep don't scatter. It's like getting everybody to run in the same direction, knowing where we want to get. I think that's where I am right now. I just started. It's been two months, but we are on a very good track there. I'm, I'm super happy with the way things are progressing now. Um, and and I believe we can, my goal for next year would be to to turn Aklamio into a, well, I wouldn't say a unicorn in one year because that's not going to happen, but realistically be on the path uh, to be at least the worldwide leader in 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 incentivization of users by by brands fantastic that's great brilliant and there'll be growth plans as part of that so you'll be expanding on your current team well of course i mean i've I've just finished now uh my recruitment plan for 2021 so i already know where (laughs) i'm going um and yeah the team will probably at least double over the course of next year um, and when I say team for me, it's the entire tech organization. It's not only product design. And it, yeah. it, I, I look at this holistically. So we have mm-hmm. to at least double. Um, and that's without fundraising. So if we fundraise, uh, we probably have to speed that. And, and, yeah. and, and Exciting. And I really felt that yeah. fire and passion for you about the business then. So that's so yeah. exciting. Um, brilliant. So if anyone's got any questions or wants to get in touch about your journey, or you might get some fellow friends that want to join this running club in Berlin, <laughs> is the best way to get in touch on LinkedIn? What's the best? Yeah, I'm, I'm open on LinkedIn always, and I always try to reply to everybody. Um, so I'm always happy to to hear from people. Awesome. Fantastic. It's yeah. been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank, Thank you very you. much for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. We would like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. It means a lot to us and we really appreciate your support. 